Hey guys, and welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Life from the perspective of a military family member is way different than a civilian standpoint. Military children and family members give up their hopes and dreams to be able to stand by and support their service member, and it isn't an easy lifestyle for anyone to live. I hope that this podcast is able to help connect the military community and give others just a glimpse into what the military life is like from the perspective of spouses and children. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to today's episode of Grace of a Military Child in Life. Today, I have Shelby with me, and I'm super excited. So Shelby, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Thank you for having me. Good. Yes. So you are an Air Force spouse with kind of a different journey coming in. So tell me a little bit about that. So I am not a stranger to military life. Um, I actually, my life in supporting military and things started at 9-11 um, when I was in second grade <laughs> when it happened. and just everything that's happened through there is like shaped me to thinking that I'll always marry somebody in the military. And then I didn't when I married my husband because he wasn't military. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And our marriage went from, I mean, we met when we first met, we were on a blind date and I was not interested in him. <laughs> it's really like I'm really outgoing and I love talking and I'm a people person and he was very quiet reserved and I was like told my friend I said no this this ain't gonna work and <laughs> I actually tried to ghost him oh my uh, gosh and he just kept pursuing and I finally said whatever I'll give in and we started dating I fell in love with his family I joked with him saying I only married him for his family <laughs> um we got married um, we started dating in, two, in December of 2016. We were engaged that next fall and married that next summer. Wow. Um, so when we got married, before a month, two months before we got married, um, I got a cancer diagnosis. Um, my, I was having thyroid issues. So they removed my thyroid. I like to tell people I got my throat slit open and lived. Um, but That's a good <laughs> story to like, tell. Wait, what? That's like a good hook. And yeah. I mean, you can't tell I have a scar. I just, I mean, I had surgery and I ended up finding cancer. It was the most aggressive one they ever found. And I remember oh. telling my husband, you can leave. Like, you don't, and my fiance at the time, I was like, you can leave. You don't have to, <laughs> this is a lot. Um, yeah. And he's like, no, I guess I'll stick around. And a week, like before a wedding, I had to, I was in the hospital for iron infusions because I had no iron in my body, but I was getting down the aisle. Yeah, we got married. Um, he was in school at Georgia Tech to be an aeronautical engineer, and as he went through the program, it was getting a lot harder. I was teaching full time; I was a teacher, so we were living on a teacher's salary, which is just about as much as a military salary—nothing, right? Except for we're paying for our insurance and our true. Get that in the military covered. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot. And then we talked about having kids. Um, and when we got, it was actually, we were technically pregnant. We just didn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. I saw how unhappy my husband was, um, after the first year of our marriage and we went to lunch after church one day and I drove him to a recruiter's office because I knew his lifelong dream was to be in the air force. Mm-hmm. And he put that dream on pause because he didn't want to scare me away when we were dating. And be like, no, this is my dream. So you're not going <laughs> to so scare me think away. College, like college, get a good job so we can support a family and, and then, you know, do this. But if I go to the military, what if she leaves me? And I don't want to do that. So he never did. And he was like, okay. Um, I guess so. So we started it. He really wanted to go into special forces at the time and um, be a combat controller. And um, this was in 2019. So in the Air Force, when you do like your testing for basic, you it's the normal stuff like the push-up setups and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you do special forces, you have to add swimming into that. Right. Because they do a lot of stuff with like um, the Army and like Green Berets and things like they have to do in Marines. So he was training for all that. And then COVID hit. And all the pools shut down. Mm-hmm. So we can't train. So then his testing got pushed back. And then when the pools finally started opening, he was back to training. 
But then the Surgeon General was like, no more waivers. We're not doing any waivers right now. And he was 0.1 under the hearing level. Wow. And if they accepted a waiver, he would have been completely fine to go. Mm-hmm. So they said, you can't do it anymore. Yeah. You list it if you like. Wow. So um, we talked a lot about it. And we're like, well, we were going to start up here and now we got to start at the bottom. So he's going to basic training and listed as the almost the oldest guy in his group um, with all these like young dudes and he's like 10 years older than them. Yeah. Uh, and he's working like the people his same rank are 10 years younger than him, but he's, um, he's pushing himself to get to where he needs to be. So we're technically still newer to this because we've been in, he's been in for two years. Um, but I'm one that embraces everything. And I just kind of like jump in full force. And I, while he was gone, I read everything I needed to read. I listened to everything I needed to listen to. And I made connections with people and I felt more prepared to leave Georgia to come to Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a crazy, you know, lifestyle. And if you don't have, you know, you've obviously had exposure to it, but if you don't have exposure living in a military family, it's a whole new world. It is. And I, so more of my, military side my cousin was um in the army and he was deployed to iraq when all this stuff happened um i think it was about two years after year and a half two years after 9-11 happened because i think i was in fourth grade at the time mm-hmm. i remember our class um now as a teacher i look back on it and it was really just my teacher getting us a writing prompt but every week we looked forward to writing letters to him So our whole class would make cards and letters and write things because it wasn't just for him. We'd send a box once a month to him. Yeah. But all it would be stack full of letters for him to pass out to everybody that were there. So they were getting all these letters from this whole fourth grade class in a trailer at our school because we didn't have a big building yet. And um, making cards and letters and writing different things and talking about like the positive things coming up, like happening here. Because all they were getting was all the negative stuff that was happening there. So we were trying to do it. And I think the joy that that brought me and when he came home, finding out that like that brought them so much joy, kept them fighting over there, made me go, okay, what else can I do now? Like, I want to do more because this is fun. Yeah. Um, And I think that's when my journey with the Tunnel to Towers Foundation like started working with them yeah what have you done with them to you know you know grow their organization and you know obviously you were younger so yeah um so my mom's company she works for an apartment company and they actually partnered with them and started donating like they have a charity every year that you can pay into with your paycheck and then they take that money and they give it Mm -hmm. we heard about them um my Mom helped with a lot of the organization, like, um, to the events that they would have to do it. And I would help her because I always went everything with her. Yeah. Um, I was that little middle school kid that made lemonade stands every week. I would sell snacks and drinks Aww. at the pool in our neighborhood. And I we had a golf tournament one year. And it was the first year we had it. They raised thousands and thousands of dollars for it. And Frank and George Siller, um, the meant... Frank is really the one that runs the majority of the charity now, but um, they both had shown up. And I remember I was over the moon excited to give them a $212 check <laughs> for what I had earned that summer. And they they were just mind blown that somebody like me were so interested in helping. Yeah. And um, if you're not familiar with Stephen's story, Stephen was a firefighter in 9-11 that um, he was actually heading home to play golf with his brothers and he heard on his radio about the towers being hit and he knew what he had to do. He turned his car around, went back to the fire station and realized that they were already gone. So he grabbed his gear, mm-hmm. threw it in his truck and were heading there. But the tunnels were, everything was closed because everybody was leaving. So he strapped on his gear, ran through the Brooklyn battery tunnel to the twin towers where he lost his life saving others. And him and his brothers, they were all orphans. And so they have 
they started their charity to give back to children that lost one or both parents in the war in Iraq or 9-11. Scholarships, paying mortgages, doing, you know, everything that they could possibly do. And then they realized there was more to do. I mean, you don't run out of people to help, but you kind of like all those people are either out of college or there's not really like much people. Right. we're not in the war any like we're not there doing the as need much. changes. Yeah. So now they build um smart homes for triple to quadruple amputees that need um that want an independent life. And I was actually at a groundbreaking for one in Georgia with Todd Love. He had lost both legs and one arm, stepping on an IUD. And um he remembers like waking up in Germany and going, Cool, this happened. Yeah. But he and I became like really good friends and um, all like the cabinets in his house are like on balloons. So they'll lower to like what he needs and like raise up. So um, he and he's one that has like the same kind of comedic relief like your family has this like, yeah, like I went to the movies with him once. He's like, you know, it'd be really good to have a leg rest. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. He came to a golf tournament once and um, I'm driving around on the golf court cart and he like holds onto the handle and swings his body out. He's like, oh, no, she's going to throw me out of this. And I'm like, you are going to get me in trouble. Don't do that. <laughs> you have and then to have he that chooses... kind of attitude towards it, honestly. Oh, yeah. it's, um, he's wrestled gators on the show Gator Boys. He's got like a um, skydiving license. Like he's he's crazy. And I, yeah. I love everything about that. Um, and I just did everything I could with my mom's company to build with this charity and I mean, I met Gary Sinise with it. Um, Gary Sinise used to be a really big thing with them, and now he does his own kind of stuff. Um, And they have a 5K race in New York every year that we used to go to. um, And we retrace Stephen's footsteps every year through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel to the towers. And it's it's very emotional experience. It's not your typical 5K because you go through and you see police officers and firefighters holding banners of those that were lost during that time and you're seeing the faces of the people that we lost that day. And that's like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, so I, like I was talking to you before, um, I work a lot with the Travis Mills foundation and mm-hmm. we have miles for mills 5k coming up and you know, it's at the Brooklyn, the old um, Brooklyn air force base. Um, I believe that's what it's called up there. And I hear that same, like, it's like the most emotional race you'll ever run because throughout the course, there's these little memorials of everyone, you know, not everyone, but so many of the lives we lost throughout, you know, OEF, OIF wars. And they're like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, like, you know, just seeing the faces, seeing, you know, how young some of these people even were, you know, birthdays oh, yeah. and death states on them. Um, you know, it's just, it's insane. It's emotional. And, you know, I haven't gone and experienced like, you know, a race like this for once and I'm not going to be running it, but. Take tissues. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's going to be very emotional still. And, you know, a lot of people cry during these things and yeah, you don't hear that from the typical race. The the first time that it really hit me more doing the race, um, mm-hmm. I looked over and there was a mom and some two kids taking a picture with one of the police officers. And I was like, oh, that might be the dad. And then I realized it was their dad in the picture. Yeah. And I was like, ow. <laughs> and it I'm, hits different. And so I, my dad is in law enforcement. So yeah. seeing those, it hit me to a point where I'm like, you know, that, that, that hits home. Um, these are police officers and firefighters that had died doing this. And my aunt was actually one of the ones that was supposed to be in one of the planes that crashed and she missed her alarm the morning of 9-11 and she missed the plane. She was really pissed off. She was like angry. She had to get home and realized why she didn't. But my dad, I, grew up as a law enforcement kid and my dad actually got in an accident when I was younger. Um, a drunk driver hit him while he was assisting this thing and he, um, shattered, like broke his leg. It shattered. He had to have surgeries, but I'm, um, my mom had to tell me because it was plastered all over the news and it was like, You're how do you tell? Yeah, I'm going to find out. Um, so that was like, 
that was when I was like in elementary school, didn't fully understand it until I got older. And I'm like looking at all these that have died. And I'm like, that could have been my dad. And um, after that, he went into detective work. So he was, it's weird to say, but he ended up working with those that died. So he was had homicide. So he ended up working for all of that. But it was, um, it's just when you're involved in the things, things just hit differently. And yeah, even past the Cellar Foundation, the Tunnel Towers Foundation, I I worked with the veterans as much as I could. We had a um, local funeral home that does a lot of great work with veterans. Like when they die and they don't have families around. Mm-hmm. They put on the funeral for them and they invite the public to, and they don't obviously charge anything. They don't do any of that, but they make sure they at least have their honors when they die. Yeah. And which I thought was great. And then every summer they raised, um, they collected book bags and school supplies for military children in the area to give to them. And at Christmas they did the same thing with toys. So every year I did pageants growing up. So I had a huge like, collection of people in my life and I was like hey I'm collecting backpacks and I would give them two to three hundred backpacks every year wow. but the next year they still had some left over from my previous <laughs> and the supplies and um and then the toys and things that I would collect for the drives and I would go to Targets and Walmarts and give them the um tax form and say any gift cards and they'd give me 50 and 100 dollars gift cards and I would go and buy a bunch of stuff at the stores and get and it was just I've always been heavily involved and I was like, oh, this is military would be my life. I don't ever join. But military might, <laughs> you know, be my married life. And um I actually dated a guy in the Navy that just went really rough. Um yeah. he decided that somebody else was better than me. And then he went on an deployment and he called me while he was there and said that she'd been cheating on him the whole time. And I was like, told you so. Um <laughs> Wow. But almost kind of like, cool. Um and he's happy doing his thing. And um, I was like, well, I can still support without being involved in it. And then now we're fully enforced involved in it. <laughs> yeah. I never thought I would want to marry military. Like, never thought after seeing, you know, the not so nice side of the military life. You're like, no, because, you know, I'd see, you know, my dad, you know, come in and, you know, <sighs> It was to the point where if we saw a helicopter, you know, in the sky, we were like, that's another, um, another, you know, wounded soldier or airman or whatever the case may be coming in. It's another wounded service member coming in. And, you know, it's heartbreaking. You know, I saw traumatic injuries, like 90%, you know, no missing limbs, but 90% burned, like, um, bad PTSD, TBI. There's people who, you know, took their own lives on base, you know, in the mm-hmm. barracks um, just because they were like, I can't, you know, this is too much for, for me. This is too much for my family to deal with. Like I'm a burden, um, you know, base shut down one night because we know someone who ended up committing suicide um, and base was on lockdown then you know and so scary things like that it's like I never want to um marry military but then you get connected back in the military of your life and you're like oh my gosh like I missed this I considered joining at one point in my life um in like 10th grade I was like I'm gonna go to West Point like I'm gonna go to West Point that's what I'm gonna do I had I could if I really pursued it I would have had all the papers all the letters I would have needed to get there um and I was like you know what this is not for me like this is not for me um I have so many I have friends at West Point and um you know the Air Force Academy I have friends who join the Navy I have friends you know in every single branch I know someone you know (laughs) who's actually my age um and my friend and you know it's just it's insane and then you know I got out of my last relationship and I was like I miss the military life like I want I want to marry the military life now so (laughs) if that happens I don't know I'm considering joining but that is going to be a long way down the road I need my master's first so (laughs) that is more important a degree would be very beneficial in the military if you join so absolutely because now I, mean, I just join as a commissioned officer. You know? <laughs> exactly. And you get a lot more benefits. Um, exactly. But yeah, you know, you don't 
realize at some points where it's like, you know, I want to, you know, be involved in the military life. And, you know, coming from law enforcement, my dad, he took a seven year break in service and he was Army Reserve. Um, And during that time, um, he was a sheriff's department. He worked for the sheriff's department on the special response team. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a very similar lifestyle. I mean, not moving around, not necessarily constant deployments, but it's a very similar similar lifestyle to many extents. It is, and it's. Um, I think I had I had listened to a friend that um, she's a um, police wife, mm-hmm. and she had said, you know, we can relate a lot to each other by like what our husbands do. I said, I said we can and we can't. Yeah. I said, because if my husband goes on a deployment, I'm saying goodbye to him that day and just worrying about him for the next few months. Mm-hmm. You're saying goodbye to your husband every day, worried about him every night. Right. And like, cause he could nowadays, I mean, they have to worry about that. And, um, my husband could go on a deployment to like Germany to go work at Ramstein for a little bit. And that's not as dangerous as her husband being on a, um, patrol every night so it's right um it's crazy to think of like those because a lot of time when you think of like people deploying in the military you think they're gonna go to war and they're gonna go fight and they can get hurt but a lot of times it's not it's helping manning and right and um, we're not in an active war right now no which is so, insane to think about <laughs> you know it is because i mean i think when deployments were really talked about and what they are and things to civilian world it was during the 9-11 era. And mm-hmm. if they were getting deployed, this troop is going here to fight. They're yeah. getting deployed. They're going to get to have a fight. And now, like, when you're in it, you're like, oh, you're getting deployed? Okay, you're just going to hang out here? Cool. Like, Well, and um, a lot of, like, it, I love looking at all of the military reels on Instagram. Like, yeah. humorous ones. Like, oh, my gosh. Um, they're hilarious, but you know, a lot of people are, there's tons of them where it's like what you think deployment's going to look like. And it shows like, you know, a little movie clip from, you know, American Sniper or something. Um, and so it shows a little movie clip of like active war happening. And then it's literally people sitting on the beach and like, you know, in lounge chairs, like, you know, chilling out. I love the ones too of the comparison of bleaches because it's like yes, um, like army. Here's where you get to sleep at night, and it's in the ditch. And like, <laughs> Air Force, here's your five star rent hotel. Oh my gosh, um, I mean, so many army, ver- so many like every other branch versus Air Force. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have friends in different branches too that serve, and I'm like, right. y'all have to do that. And- <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> My sister served in the army and um I was when we moved here, I was talking to her and I was like, Oh yeah, we got this and this. She goes, You got all that? Just for your PCS? Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah. She's like, We got handed a bag and said good luck. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, they actually didn't break any of our stuff in our move. And then they and then this happened and this and this. It was just like a glorious rainbow and my sister's like, I, I can't. Like, I, she went to Korea and like lost half her belongings. Oh and my gosh. she's like, I swear they're at the bottom of the ocean somewhere. <laughs> and, like, the plane just let go of the cargo on the way yes. down. That's what she believes. And I, um, it just cracks me up because I'm like, when you're in like your branch, you think of your world because you have to learn your branch's acronyms. You have to learn how they go and they live. And then we, um, so, you know, we had went down and met some friends at Fort Bragg and like listening to like things they do. And like, um, wow. I'm like, this is so weird being <laughs> here on like an army base and, um, and stuff when we're like full air force life and yeah. even seeing some of my military spouse friends that uh, are in different branches and like what, either what they get to experience as that branch's spouse. And it's sometimes better than what we get to experience or, yeah their way of like doing things were like, oh, I'm just going to stay in my corner and not say work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you never know, honestly, like every base is different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've actually spent a lot of time on Air Force bases. My dad was Army. 
but I've spent a lot of time on Air Force bases. Um, the closest base to Cleveland, Ohio at the time um, was four hours away. And that was, um, God, Wright Pat, Wright Patterson mm-hmm. Air Force Base. Um, and so we would drive down there, you know, go to the commissary, especially when they had the huge commissary, you know, truck lot sales. Yeah. You know, they don't do it as often now, it seems. But I think we're about to have one here. <laughs> those are always nice. So we would literally drive down there, make a day trip, drive down there, stock up on everything, and then drive back. And we'd mm-hmm. go, like, they have an IMAX theater there and, like, a little, you know, Air Force Museum, which was, you know, for kids, it was really cool to to go to. And then um, in San Antonio, we were stationed at Fort Sam. And it's Joint Base San Antonio. So it's yeah. Randolph Air Force Base, Lackland Air Force Base, and F- Fort Sam Houston, which is the Army base. <laughs> um, and so my dad would have a lot of appointments at Lackland. So we'd go to Lackland. Yeah you know, even though we lived at Fort Sam and then the closest base here is two hours away and it's McDill Air Force Base. And Mm -hmm. so we go to McDill all the time. Um, But it's so, you know, I've been to Bragg. Bragg is different. Bragg is just a different world altogether. It is huge. I know. The (laughs) amount of commissaries and PXs there and it's insane. Finding just like a, like, I had asked a friend that had been there before. I'm like, can you tell me a part so I can just tell these people without trying to like play who wants to go where tag? Mm-hmm. And I can just say we're going here. And they're like, go to this park. It's the best one. It's right at a gate. So you can just go in and turn and you're there. <laughs> because I'm the one that I would probably start driving on the wrong parts of the base and find out quickly that I'm in the rough. <laughs> and I'm not about to do that. Um, no. Uh, our base is small enough that um, there's not too much to get tr- into trouble with here. Yeah. Um, there's obviously restricted things and places. Um, right. But it's not, it's small enough that I can walk <laughs> to yeah. and base and do what I need to do. But then it's like, it's nice enough where it's like, okay, if I just need to take a drive with my kids, I can go to the park on base that's on that side and not (laughs) yeah because that's that's important to do like especially as a military family like you know it's important to still get out there and do things Mm -hmm. and not just sit around all day because it gets boring like honestly and you know a lot of people in the military either tend to work from home or stay at home mom or you know it's hard to have jobs in the military life as a it spouse. Is. So you have to kind of make, figure out what works for you and your family and then, you know, pursue that path. But even it's hard to just sit at home all day and, you know, try it, it especially is. if you're on a deployment or something. Our, I don't ever like to be negative. Um, yeah. Our, our, our base has stuff to offer, but our area doesn't. Yeah. Um, and, when we found out we were coming to Delaware, I was like, they have a base in Delaware? Like, <laughs> so I didn't even know they had anything there. on in Delaware. Yeah. Uh, Delaware is the size of the county I came from in Georgia. Mm. So, like, if you took a Delaware. good comparison. I'm like, oh. <laughs> we have, like, <laughs> hundred and something elementary schools there. They have three counties here. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> um, one county fits into one state. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy and like most of Dover is the Air Force Base yeah and um and like you can be in like three different cities within a half a mile drive of each other and it's just it's crazy but a lot of the stuff here is older Mm. the parks are a lot older um because we're the very first state of the United States like things are still from the times and which is pretty cool in history but when you have a three-year-old and a nine-month-old it's like a little bit difficult because you you can go to the parks every day but here the wind we're on the coast so the wind can be up to like 25 miles an hour the rain is almost it's been non-stop rain here for the past four days um the cold the hot i mean it's it's kind of like a hit or miss and i'm one that i will try to find something to do all the time um just to get out of the house and we go to as many base events as we can and we do and we have a lot of craft fairs around because there's a lot of small business owners here, which I love. That's cool. So 
we go to a lot of craft fairs. I've met several friends through there. Um, but there are times that we are at home just hanging out at the house and playing in our backyard because it's raining or there's nothing going on. But honestly, I would be back at work full time as a teacher if our childcare was available here. Mm-hmm. Um, the wait list at our CDC is very long. Um, and then the surrounding areas, it's either not the best place to put your child yeah. or their wait list is way too long. And the for us, we knew it would just be easier for me to stay home at least until the kids went to school and then I can go yeah. back to work. So Well, um, it's hard because, you know, in every state you move to, then you have to get a new license. And so... Um, which is really cool about teaching. Yeah. So there is some states that, like, I know in the Southeast that took my Georgia license, but I would not have mm-hmm. to transfer. In Delaware, if I have worked at least four years under my um, license, I don't have to switch licenses. Oh, wow. They will allow me to keep it. I have to have at least four years of experience, which I do. Yeah. Um, which is cool. So I would be able to keep my license and not switch. but. Um, and our school on base is one of the few that are not DOD regulated. Mm-hmm. Our school is ran by the, we don't, it's not by counties here. It's by districts. So we have yeah. like four districts in our county. Again, we have three counties. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of small. Um, so it's ran by our district. So it's not one of those that's like, I don't really, they don't have to worry about my license and my degree or where it came from if I worked for the DOD as a teacher right. versus the state of Delaware, but we looked into it because I'd be making three times the amount my husband makes. And that would be very beneficial with student debt and things that I have, um, things that we want to do as a family. And, but then I'm also going to miss out on like, I'm enjoying my time with my kids. Yeah, I'm enjoying my son's first year. Um, I worked full time and my grandmother kept him. So it was family keeping him, but I still feel like I missed out on a lot of those things. And then my husband was gone for a good part of his first year of life. And um, when we had my daughter last fall, I was like, I really, I don't want to miss out on that. Yeah. So I work side jobs as um, a substitute just so I can keep up my license and my practice through our area. And then um, I drive for Uber Eats which yep. is sometimes really fun and sometimes really scary. <laughs> I saw yesterday's fun adventure. <laughs> yeah, just just wait till when I um, mention my fun after adventure later on my oh, Instagram. Because I was on call support with them all morning because of that person that was on. <laughs> fun stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's. There's some day. I mean, I've gotten great relationships with some of the restaurants around here and free yeah. food, which I will not complain about. I will never say no to free food. <laughs> and and then I've actually delivered to the same people over and over and over again. So I'm like, I know again, they, Delaware is so small. It is. <laughs> and so it's, it's like building those family connections. And there's so many people here that will tell you they hate here. They hate being here. They're, um, they don't, there's nothing going on. They're not happy as a family here. Like it's, there's so much that I honestly, do I wish there was more to do with my kids locally? Yes. You can either drive 45 minutes to Wilmington to the children's museum Mm -hmm. or go a little further to Philly, or you can drive like 30, 45 minutes to the beach. We could do that. But when you have two little kids, it's hard to do that every day. Yeah. I do wish there was stuff locally, but honestly, when we do finally leave here, I think I'm going to miss it. Well, and that's the hard thing, especially, you know, if you have that attitude towards like, I hate it here. I hate it here. I hate it yeah. here. And I can say I, you know, so I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I moved to San Antonio and my dad got hurt and then we moved to Florida. And honestly, uh, Texas was a hard move because I'd never moved before and I was leaving my friends. And so it took, it took a hot second to get over that, but I found good connections and stuff like right off the bat, moving to Florida and moving where the closest military base is two hours away and you yeah. know, having just formed those connections with military and then having moved and 
it was a mess. And I was like, I hate it here. I hate it here. I hate it here. I hate it here. But then it's like, you know, that took three years, like three years, you know? <laughs> and then you're like, you have to find the positives. And you do. It, you have to. If you don't, then you're going to be miserable. When my, my husband called me from tech school and said, I know where we're going. And all yeah. of the people, he was the last to find out. Everybody in his class were like getting the top, one of the top three on their wish list, mm. which is rare. That have. is very rare. <laughs> Unless you okay. can only choose three options. Like, so my, I mean, my ex only of, had three options that he could choose. We had five or six on our like wish list or yeah. like for in-state. And then we had out of state. I mean, out of the, in Oh, Cunnus uh, and the country. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. I got you. My so, overseas in, in states. Yeah. Yes. So, we had like five or six for each one. And I'm like, ooh, our top um, two on that list were um, Florida, like the panhandle of Florida, because we wanted to stay closer to home. The panhandle is really nice, too. Yeah. So, we had those, and we knew somebody in his class that had gotten one of the positions down there. And then mm-hmm. we had the Carolinas because we just, it would have been my first time moving away from the area I grew up in. Like I was yeah. teaching at the school that with teachers that taught me in elementary school. Aww. So like I've never really left that area. And so I was yeah. like, if I'm going to move, I'd like to stay close, which I know I can't tell the military what to do. But And if you try the- to, most of the time you get the opposite answer. Yeah. So like all of our wish lists were everything basically surrounding Georgia because we knew we mm-hmm. wanted to get out of Georgia. Because we didn't want the bases in Georgia. I don't blame. We've them. had enough of Georgia. <laughs> we we've had enough of it. But we were like, we we still want to be. If I'm my husband's working out or deployed, like I can easily drive home. Like I can. Mm-hmm. I wanted that. And then he calls me. He's like, Yeah, we got Delaware. I was like, Woohoo! Oh, like I, I had my pity moment. Like I stopped my yep. feet. I was on my way yep. to get my mail at our apartment with my son. And because they had to walk to our mailbox. And then I walked back home, stomping my feet all the way back home with the baby. And I was so upset. And then that night after I put my son to bed, I started, like, Googling, like, what is in Delaware? Yeah. <laughs> and around Delaware. Yeah. So I'm, like, I'm finding, you know, we have Air Mobility Command here, which is a bunch of, like, really cool planes to see. So we have a museum. Um, and I'm, like, oh, we'd like that. Oh, I'm this close to the beach. So I started seeing these things. And then I'm like, I'm surrounded by so much here in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And my state's so small that I can drive there. And so I started creating um, a bucket list of everything I would like to see and do before I left Delaware. And we've just been knocking things off. And I've yeah. been adding things to it as I'm like, oh, that's close by. That's close by. Um, I've seen the Liberty Bell more in my life than I ever thought I would. Because I can drive there in two hours, see the Liberty Bell, eat a Philly cheesesteak, and come back. Yeah. And everybody that's visited, they're like, let's go to Philly. And I've I've seen the Liberty. I mean, you can only really see the Liberty Bell so much. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, it's just the bell with a crack in it. Like I I'm, exactly. But I'm also like, but I'm also like the first time I saw it, I was like, this is pretty cool because I've only seen it in pictures in the history books that in my classes. Yeah. Now I'm in face to face with it. But I can drive to DC if I'm driving to DC next next week just for the day to go do um, some stuff with military spouses, and I'm like, I can do that here. Like, yeah. I can drive. I can go to New Jersey. I can go to New York. Um, mm-hmm. My husband and I are taking a whole northeastern tour, doing seven states in seven days. People so, if like, you haven't been to Carlos Bakery in Hoboken, you gotta go. We um, put that on your bucket list. <laughs> yeah. We did, um, my dad, he deployed out of, gosh, what is it? Fort Dick McGuire. And so okay. um, he got a four-day pass one day. So, you know, we drove from Cleveland to New Jersey. And we, one of the things was we went to Carlos Bakery because we were huge Cake Boss fans, you know, um, especially with that time. And so it's a, it's a good experience. Some of the best cakes and cannolis you'll ever have. So I definitely recommend I know, I know we're not too far from there either. So yeah. that can also be a day trip. Exactly. And I mean, we, we're doing a whole seeing seven states. And, you know, when I talk to my friends in Georgia about that, they're like, how can you go to seven states? Because it takes us five hours to get out of Georgia. Yeah. And I'm like, because it's two hours to New York. And then from like 
to get through New York to Massachusetts through Rhode Island and Connecticut, it's like two hours because mm-hmm. everything's so small. Like it's not that bad. And yeah. we're also not taking kids on this trip. So we can easily we can just go. <laughs> we can wake up in the morning and go and we can go to bed late. Like it's it is what it is. But um and we're making the most of it. And and I mentioned like we ha- we have a possibility that we might move. Um obviously nothing's ever starting in the military life, but um yeah. there was a chance that we could possibly um PCS within the next year. We're still obviously waiting on if that's going to happen or not. But um, I'm like, crap, what if we find out we're moving this summer and I need to get all this stuff done and yeah. <laughs> um, I want to go do. So we're, this month is super busy with exploring and doing things. And um, as it gets warmer, there's more that we're wanting to do and especially with the kids. So yeah, we got to go to Sesame Street before we leave the Northeast. Yes. Oh my gosh, that would be so much fun, especially for the That's kids. What, yeah, and my husband wants to take my son to Diggerland, and um, I think it's in New Jersey, and it's like a bunch of construction equipment the kids get to play oh, on and use. That's fun. And I really think he wants to take my son for him to play on um, himself <laughs> and not my son, but we're using the kid as the excuse. It's okay. You know, you've got to do what you got to do. We have friends um, who they wanted to go to a water park in Texas. It's called uh, Schlitterbahn. It's a mouthful, but it's so much fun. Um, but they were, you know, young adults and they didn't want to go alone. Um, so they took me and my sister with them. <laughs> so they didn't go <laughs> alone. But, you know, it's all good. Like, we all have the time of our lives. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do some days. Oh, yeah. And it's this whole life. Like, I, there's a lot of challenges and there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that I don't want to have to see. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned, you saw so much hurt come through while you were yeah. in Texas. Here at Dover, we're the base that all that don't make it have right. to come to. And that's and a hard thing to see. So my husband is on the group that, um, so there's obviously the honor guard that will take them from the planes and take mm-hmm. them like when they arrive to us. Um, that's the parts you normally see on TV um, yeah. and things. And then, um, but after everything's done and they're ready to go home, he's a part of the group that helps carry them onto this little plane that we have that will take them to wherever their families want them. And he gets the notifications every time, hey, we have a dignified transfer. We have somebody come in who's available to do this. And it's like, we're getting those texts too often. There was at one point that I felt like he was getting them a couple times a week. And I was like, it just hurts because you know these are our people leaving us and then uh, it is and then there's like times that we didn't hear about it for three months and I'm like okay good (laughs) no no, nothing's happening for then I like so I think that's I don't um I like to know about things but then I'm also like I don't want to know about that because then I start thinking about my own husband and then what would I do if I had to tell my kids this yeah. Like um, thinking about what your mom did with you and your sister. Like, I don't know how we don't have a dolphin movie right now <laughs> to be able to like tell, um, hey, this happened to dad. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> watch. Like, we, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know what I would do. Um, and, I'm a, and I'm also, I can be a black person. I can just straight up tell you, like, hey, I got my throat slit open and I live. <laughs> like, I, like but then I'm also, I, I mean, I, I've taught kindergarten and I, I've had to say, um, like when you talk about active shooters with kids right now, it's, um, we always had to tell them we're playing hide and seek from the bad guy that really wants to hurt us. Yes. So we have to hide in this bathroom and that's the only way they understand it. Um, and I'm like, how would I tell my three-year-old right now if something were to happen? Like, how does he understand that daddy might not come back? And I guess those thoughts go through my head every time he gets a text about that or um, I hear about somebody being wounded or I see the the Facebook feed or the Instagram feed of like these soldiers that died in this helicopter crash or this exercise and things. And I'm like, those were an accident and a training exercise. Like that wasn't even a war situation. Like what do I, 
should I have, do I have to be worried every time my husband goes on a training? Like this is, yeah. So, and I do think about those. So, you know, I, I listen to a lot of the people that have been on your podcast of like how their parents told them and how they took it. I'm like taking some of those into account of, all right, if it was this age, this is what we could do. But if they're this age, it has to be a little different. Like it's on a three-year-old versus an nine-year-old like it's yeah. it's different it's 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 a difficult thing as a parent to um think that we may have to have those conversations and like how do you do it without causing that child to want to have any thoughts of themselves yeah because it's a lot of trauma you know yeah to experience at no matter what age you are, you know, even, you know, all the way from the youngest child to the spouse, like it's so much trauma and a lot of people, you know, and I'm just like, whatever, you know, you know, that, you know, kind of like, whatever, like we've lived, we've moved on. But a lot of these guys, you know, say, you know, I hope we didn't ruin your childhood. I hope we didn't you know, ruin you as a person growing up, having exposed you to this trauma and even just military life, because, you know, a lot of service members, you know, your situation is different, but a lot of service members join before they're married, before they have kids. And a lot of them join not expecting to get married at one at any point or have kids at any point. Um, they expect to just be alone. And so they do something, you know, greater than themselves. And, you know, then families come along, you know, unexpectedly. And you have a wife, you or a husband, because there are females who serve. (laughs) You have a spouse, you have children. And, you know, it's like, well, I hope, you know, the moving around and the, the deployments and that, that aspect of this life didn't ruin you and but I'm always like that shapes the kids who they are today because if we didn't have those experiences you know we wouldn't be brave we wouldn't be adaptable we wouldn't be you know tough we wouldn't have all of these characteristics resiliency um that we would have today and that's amazing to hear as a parent because you know, my son technically wasn't born into the military life because he was born prior to my husband mm-hmm. leaving. He was born 10 days before the world shut down in 2020. Oh, my wow. son was. So, and then my husband didn't leave until January of 2021. Mm-hmm. We were in the process of the military stuff, but we weren't engraved into it. And my son had just turned nine months old when my husband left for basic. So, mm-hmm. We did the, we went to build a bear and got the bear so that in the Air Force uniform so he could have the voice. Um, I, I have pictures. a bear. <laughs> I have a bear. I, we got that so he could hear his dad say, I love you every night. We, I take, took a lot of pictures of them so that when I was telling my son goodnight, I'd show him my phone and say, you know, tell daddy goodnight. And so, cause you know, you go through a whole period of basic where you don't really get to talk to them. Yeah. Um, and then. My son's trying to figure out why daddy's on the phone when we were able to like FaceTime and not here. But then my, my daughter is born into it. Like she was born here in Delaware. And, but technically my son will grow up only knowing this life. Mm-hmm. And it is, he has gotten very used to like in the mornings, we sit down at breakfast and he wants to call my mom on FaceTime. Cause that's kind of like our thing. Every morning we call her and my grandmother and we talk cause Luckily, we have technology and we're able to like connect with our families and things and um, we'll do those. And then we just went to Georgia for two weeks and saw family and then we come back and he's asking for those family members and it that gets a little hard. Yeah. And then our next move may be a lot further away from family where we may not get to talk to him as much or see them as much. And that's like, I know I'll get my kids stronger and make them stronger, but then I'm also like are going to have to form into a whole new culture area and a whole new like um, way of life. And um, do they have these same stores we go to all the time? My son loves going to Target with me, which is a dangerous <laughs> thing. The last we go to Target because he knows he gets Starbucks when we go to Target. <laughs> which is also like, dangerous, but you know, you got to have those things some days. 
And we do. Like, it's raining today. We may go take a trip to Target. Just go walk around and go to Chick-fil-A. But then, like, our next... That's, like, our our things that we do. But our next um, base may not have a Target or Chick-fil-A nearby. And it's going to kill me. But I'm going to have to figure that out. Especially overseas. Because, you know, in Okinawa, like, they're just building a Chick-fil-A. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So you never I, know. You don't you never and, know. And especially if you do go overseas with kids that have literally lived the normalcy of life here and then go and experience a whole nother culture mm-hmm. and people that may not even talk the same language as you, that's kind of like part of me feels like like in life that kids when they're older, it's easier with the military yeah. stuff because it's like the moves are easier, not taking as much, or you don't have to worry about diaper changes and having to stop a hundred times on a right. PCS journey. But then I'm also, um, it's still, it's, it's, I feel like it's even 10 times harder because they can understand more. It's give and take. I would say, especially like talking to people, cause I didn't necessarily grow up around the military. You know, I grew up knowing my dad was a veteran but he had a break in service so I spent a lot of my from about an infant to nine years seven or eight years old I was not around the military and so having my more formative years you know having experienced the military life it's definitely give and take because you understand more but then again, mm-hmm. you understand more. So it goes both ways. It's a positive and a negative. Because as a kid, you're just like free-spirited, like just go and exploring. And, you know, it's not necessarily you're, – you have teenagers and you have emotions. And that, that's hard, too. If my daughter's going to be anything like I was in middle school, Lord, I have my hands full. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And same with my son. If he was anything like the stories I hear with my husband. Yeah. He he can deal with that. Yeah. So it, it is give and take, but you know, again, you you're you're living in it and you're it's like, I wouldn't trade it for a thing. Yeah. I I feel like my life with living in like supporting the military and first responders and things has really prepared me more for this Yeah, because I wasn't too scared, like getting into it. Like I always had that thought in my mind, like, Oh, it'd be great. It'd be a great life. And then I'm like, because I've seen, I've seen the bad mm-hmm. watching Todd love and you know, like what he went through. And then Michael Schlitz was another um, recipient of a house in Georgia. He was burned 85% of his body. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lost two arms and he, he travels and speaks to veterans about PTSD because he had it really bad himself. Mm-hmm. And so like seeing those, like I've seen the bad and I've seen my cousin go through bad PTSD and I've seen, um, I've seen the heartbreak of death. And I've, um, I've also seen what glorious things that we can do by getting backpacks and um, school supplies and things for people. And like, like, I'm still doing those things now. And when I first, before my husband left, I was like, okay, I love podcasts. What? There's got to be a Mill Spouse podcast somewhere. And then I found Mill Spouse Matters. Tons out there. I found Jen McDonald's Mill Spouse Matters. And she actually had a spouse devotion, um, like a devotional book. And I read it while my husband was gone. It was like um, every day she had something different about like, you are not alone. Yeah. Um, that was her book. You're not alone. You're not alone. The heart of a military spouse. And I connect, I listened to her, her whole podcast and it was all this advice about moving and life as a mill spouse. And she's the reason I forced myself to get involved when we moved here. Yeah. Um, I'm a key spouse for our squadron. I, um, I tried to help boost the morale by getting like events going and stuff. Do people always sign up for our events? No. Do we normally just have the same people over and over show up cars? Yeah. You know what? It's okay because yeah. we're doing what we can. We're trying and we're still having fun with it. 
and it's like one of those you have to give you can offer the plate of cookies and see who takes them yeah uh, kind of thing and but I probably wouldn't have done that if I didn't like full force myself into learning um and after I think I finished hers like I found others and my Instagram I had started as a blog just to express my life um like what we're doing and how I'm feeling but then also as a way for my family and friends back home to see like where our life's going and what we're doing. And then through that, I met more military spouses and families that I've connected with, um, companies I've connected with, um, Brent with Mill Spouse Box, her and I are really good friends. And I love my Mill Spouse Box so much. (laughs) Um, and like, I'm, I work closely, like share a lot of stuff and do stuff like the Blue Star families and even, Mm -hmm. um, Operation In Touch and the commissary and like yeah. these people that I'm like, this is so crazy for people to reach out to me. But then I'm also like, I don't want to take your like, I don't want free stuff. I want to support you. Like, yeah. what else? Like, and I'm one of those that I'm, I'm like, you're 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 gonna give me something for free? Like, okay. <laughs> but, like, what can I do for you? Like, <laughs> well, and it's hard because you know I will say it too from my perspective. Uh, you know, my dad being injured there's a lot of scholarships for military kids, especially wounded or killed in action. And I always feel so guilty receiving them. So guilty because, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I meet the requirements like, you know, and everyone's like, you deserve this. And I'm like, I did nothing. I did nothing. Like, my dad did it. Like, I did nothing. I was just there. And they're like, no, no, you don't realize what you did. And I'm like, but I did nothing. And that. You were also a caretaker for a while, too. And so. That's a thing. Yeah. But it doesn't, you know, because it's just the life, you know, you don't realize it. And, you know, being nine years old, you know, it's like, this is my new normal. This is, this is normal. This isn't, you know. But then, you know, you talk to other kids who are civilian kids and they're like, yeah, no, it's not normal. <laughs> you know? No. Like, you don't I, feel like you deserve it. I don't. And then, like, because I, I'm not one of the big, I never call myself an influencer. And I never, like, there's military spouse friends I follow that do a lot more for, for military, like, um, mm-hmm. awareness and things. And I do some of that stuff. And I'm also, like, almost, like, more of, like, here's what I do in my life. You take it or leave it. And, yeah. um, I'll showcase our military and I'll showcase like our base and what we do. And if we do PCS, you'll probably see a lot more military stuff on my page. Cause I'm going to take you through the whole process. Cause yeah. I have a lot of civilian friends and people on my page too, but I'm also a huge advocate for small businesses. Like I, I will pull money out of my savings to support small businesses and give them, um, cause they're working for, themselves and mm-hmm. helping their their families and I do um full support of them and then I share them like because I'm like some of them are mill spouses some of them are local businesses and I'm like here you go yeah so all my people that might need earrings or um signs or pictures or um things like this here's what I've bought and here's what would be good I don't ever share things that are not great yeah um and I don't know <laughs> I think I had a friend tell me that I'm like the Keith Lee of small businesses. I don't know if you know <laughs> Keith Lee on TikTok. Yes. He does those food um, things. Yeah. And like, you don't give negative reviews like sometimes he does, but you do tell us everything about the good stuff. <laughs> I was like, well, I also don't like being negative. I don't want to tell you if I don't like it. If I don't like it, I'm just not going to share it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've told people I don't like something and tell them why. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable telling people why I don't like it so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but I'm going to give you some money because I felt bad because you gave it to me so it's like I've had those yeah. moments but I don't know I I love the, the people I've met through social media I love the advocacy I've been able to spread I mean social media can go worldwide and being able to connect with people all over and express the local area and what Delaware really has to offer and then the like you said military families that are mostly working from home and trying to do stuff to make their ends meet 
I can support them to do that, even if I'm scrapping for pennies here too. I'm going to because I, I know what it's like. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you know, as the military community, you have to support one another. Yeah. So. 100%. You probably know this next question already because having listened, but what <laughs> advice would you give to another military spouse? I was not prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for military family in general, just patience and give into it. Mm-hmm. Have patience for the process because it's always sit and wait. Yeah. It's always sit and wait. But then and like force yourself into the like get involved. Go to the base event. Go to the USO event. Like go to them because I've met some of the most incredible friends here. Um, I think one of my couple best friends that I got when I first moved here, they ended up PCSing that summer, like two months after I got here. But then I'm like, fine, I'll go to something else. And I've met more people. And yeah. I think every different event I have, I go to now, I'm like, oh, I know you. I remember you. And yeah. there's some that just go to certain ones. And I know people that complain a lot because all they do is sit at home and they don't get themselves involved. I am really close with our leadership here because I stay involved. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a huge help when I had a need. Yeah. in my housing that I need to resolve and it got resolved so fast because I knew who to call and I was not afraid to call them. Yeah. <laughs> and just embrace every moment. The military can send you to the worst bases and they can send you to the best bases. And the only thing that's going to make it worse is how you handle it. Yeah, I mean, in the Air Force, Minot is apparently one of the worst bases to go to because there's just not a lot to do. There's not a lot to do in Delaware either. Look at me. <laughs> I'm, making it, I'm making it happen. Yeah. If I have to go to Minot, cool. I might stop my feet for 30 seconds and then I'll figure out what to do. And honestly, that's the motto of a military family. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stomp your feet, you know, have your have your time to, to be upset and mm-hmm. then you have to move on. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have my pity party for a minute. I don't care if you're telling me we're going to Florida to a base we want to go or if we're going to go to England or if we're going to go to Japan or if we're going to go to Alaska. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd like Hawaii, but um, don't tell the military that, so they send me there. Yeah, put uh, that on the very <laughs> bottom of the list. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want a PCS2 list, and then yes. we'll go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did that here, and I'm like, there's nothing, and then I've seen so much of our country's history and I stood in the same place. They read the Declaration of Independence after it was signed here in Delaware. They brought it here, read it here in Dover. And I stood in the spot that they did it. Like, who can say that? Yeah. And just be involved, be be in the know, be involved in your, your parents or your spouse's job too. Mm -hmm. Because people always ask me, what does he do? And I can say it. Yeah, I can tell you exactly what he does. And I don't have to be like, I don't know. He just mm-hmm. gets a uniform and leaves. Like those are those are important things to say too. And because when he's not when the parent or the spouse is not vocal, you're the one that has to be. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna go ask him. Anytime that somebody's gone in an appointment or if he's at work, I'm always getting the texts and calls. Mm-hmm. about what's going on thinking I know everything which I don't mm-hmm. operational um, security is a thing <laughs> hey there is some things that I'm allowed to tell you that I just don't want to tell you because I'm like true. I want to keep some of the stuff to myself true like I'll get more texts and stuff about like what's going on in our life and things from his family or my family um, because they know that he's either at work or he's busy or you know he's asleep because he's working night shifts and stuff so it all falls on the spouses or and then the kids too, because when they get older and they're able to communicate like that. So when are you leaving? When are you doing this? When are you doing, like we all have we're pretty much the number one line of communication through our spouses and our parents. And mm-hmm. patience, being involved, being in the know, knowing as much as you want to know and are allowed to know. Yeah. And just have fun. I mean, we're in this for the career, so our kids are going to be well graduated and gone. 
um, in college by the time we actually retire, since, especially since we started a little, I'll be 30 this year and my husband will be 29 and we're two years into the Air Force. That's normally this time people are getting like out. (laughs) (laughs) My husband said he wants to stay in until the Air Force forces him to leave. So we're going to be in it for a long while. a hot second. So I got to make the most of it. Otherwise, I'm going to be miserable. And I don't want to be miserable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where can people connect with you on Instagram and wherever platforms you use? Um, Mom Life Military Wife is my Instagram. Um, there, it's, it's a lot of random. Some days it's literally <laughs> just showing my son acting crazy and my daughter being so cute. And other times, I'm, I mean, I'm... I'm sharing crazy Uber stories and I'm yes. doing um, some small business stuff, but I'm always like here to sh- express and share. I'm not in it to make hundreds and thousands of dollars. Like I'm not, <laughs> not doing that. I work with an influencer that she makes money off of hers and I'm, I'm not trying to do that. I just really want to like spread awareness for things. If you're military, I share a lot of uh, military related contests when commissary gift cards and um, things and, um yeah so it's mom life military wife it's my like little blog is what i call it and it's where i i just kind of express everything i'm doing and hope that helps somebody at one point (laughs) (laughs) or entertains you (laughs) (laughs) absolutely well thank you shelby so much for being on such a fun time and yes for sure thank you so much thank you for having me Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Grace of a Military Child and Life. Make sure to set a reminder for every Tuesday to listen to a new episode. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Grace of a Military Child and Life. If you have any questions or want to be on the podcast, send a message to one of our social media platforms or email grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. See you next week.